0: Welcome back to the Aviation RC Noob Podcast. You found us. My name is Joe. And I'm Matt. We're here to be with you along your journey and to share our experiences in RC Aviation. If you have any questions, thoughts, or want to share a flight story, hit us up at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com. Now, buckle in, let's take off. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 38. Um, Matt, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about build
1: season. It's official. Uh, time has dipped back in America, and now we have no light when it when it comes to the evening.
0: Okay, so we weren't really joking last episode when we said we were going to do something with the time shift.
1: Nope. Uh, no, I, you know, I thought about it. I was like, well, we could do. No, you know what? I think it's not a bad plan for our listeners to kind of shift their thinking to, you know, at the beginning of build season, you know, kind of th- figure out what you want to build and kind of get it ready.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we're, I mean, even down here in South Carolina, as close as we are to the equator, like 5.30, 6 o'clock sunlight's pretty much gone like there's no time after i get off mm-hmm. work to, to go flying even if i had stuff to go flying with right now honestly your best bet is to get up an hour early and go in
1: the early light or go at lunch bring, you bring to you to
0: lunch. No, i didn't say
1: <laughs> i was gonna do it i'm just saying if you wanted to fly
0: <laughs> yeah that's still pretty cold that time <laughs> to, of morning. to
1: go oh i didn't say it was gonna be warm i just said you'd actually have light that's the only difference Hmm. And even then, that's gonna be gone pretty pretty soon. Probably by the um, by mid month next month, it'll be gone too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember carrying the fogey around in the back of the car for a while and mm-hmm. getting out on some lunch breaks, or mm-hmm. you know, if I happen to be coming back into town a little early. Oh yeah. Uh, be able to get out there for a few minutes. That's right. Okay.
1: That way you're not uh, forced to just be relegated to the weekends. You know, you get to have a little bit of fun in between. That's right. Yeah. And it's also squirrel season, I heard. Build season, squirrel season. uh,
0: Build season, squirrel season. No, I've gone squirrel hunting, but I'm assuming that you're talking about a different kind of squirrel season.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like when you're in the middle of some of those projects you have on your shelf and go, ooh, what's that over there? (laughs) I want to try that. (laughs) Okay, I got (laughs) you. Ooh, what's over there? Ooh, I think I'm going to fix up my bench. Ooh, something cool over here. Hold on, I'll see. Yeah. whether that be repairing stuff that you forgot that you even had (laughs) Mm -hmm. as you try to clean a lot of people use this time to kind of reset everything so kind of getting into your shop and clearing everything off so anyway that's that's kind of what we're going to be talking about
0: lord knows my garage needs to be cleaned out there's gonna be a lot of stuff that uh kind of gets relegated It's like you know what i hadn't needed this in the last two years time to go <laughs> yeah is that uh, well we'll talk about that then because i I've, i need help all the help i can get <laughs> nah, i mean i'm i'm not much help on that so <laughs> uh, i mean you know as far
1: as setting uh setting guidelines <laughs> i'll i'll share a story that cracked me up i, I wish i knew more details but
0: uh anyway, oh, I mean, I'll,
1: gonna...
0: I'll share a story now i've just kind of got the, the main cave cleaned back up a little bit and um a, a while back, I, I threw away a, a whole tote, and when I mean a tote, I mean like uh-huh. one of those clear storage yeah. boxes with like the click-on yeah, you clasp-on lid. Look, you, you I, get
1: you get a trash bag, and you dump all the stuff in and out, and you just reuse the tote. The
0: tote's good. Well, I, yeah, I did, but that <laughs> oh, okay. big tote's worth of old computer wires, because uh, oh, I've, yeah. I've played around in tech for years, so yeah. I mean, old... PC power cables, uh, mm-hmm. monitor power cables, which are the same thing, uh, VGA cables, DVI cables. I've thrown away USB cables, uh, uh, IDE and KDE interface cables, uh, just old motherboards, old, just tons of stuff, wires and cables. I was like, ah, I might eventually, you know, have a need for this. I don't want to need a cable for something and have thrown it away but i mean at some point they've all been sitting mm-hmm. in that box for like six years just taking up space it's gotta go <laughs> yeah it's gotta y- go y- yeah <laughs> i get it so i don't know that when it comes to to cleaning and organizing the garage the garage area is a little more like these are my tools these are my you know specialty items that like they need to be stored somewhere. Because if I if I need them, then they're not a little $5 cable. They're a little more expensive to go and replace. So Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and that's always kind of the, oh, is that going to be a t- cable I just can't find anymore? You know. But, yeah, ultimately, probably worth tossing.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway. So, we can get talking about what we're going to be doing over the winter in a little yeah. bit. Um, but first, am going to talk about our... Build and fly, which uh, okay. I don't think either of us got out to fly in the last two weeks, have uh, we? I got out and attempted to fly. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think. Last time we talked about uh, the Warbird event that didn't happen.
0: Right. Yeah, we did talk about that.
1: Yeah. So I ended up uh, building the Prandtl Arrow. So that was kind of what I was working on over the last couple weeks. Um, whatever. So basically the next step I'll call it in the overall Prandtl project was the first one was build a replica, which uh, I didn't crash and I haven't gone back to rebuild it, but I was inspired when we talked to red to build the plank version of it, um, which I did and it flew and it flew well. So I made, uh, I'll call it the flight test version of it where I'm not like you know, in skinning the inside, it's not like a master series. It's, you know, score a couple lines and that will assist you in creating that uh either the Clark Y wing foil that's in the center or the symmetrical foil at the end, right? That with okay. a, a bunch of uh, ironing and, you know, Bob your uncle as they say in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I ended up creating plans for for that style and uh, you know, I built that and uh I was working on the motor system and I think I got distracted partly because I didn't have something that I liked I wasn't like getting set up right. So I was like, uh, hold on. So I still have a build video that I've got mostly edited and all I'm looking for is that last segment where I record how to put on the electronics. But if I don't have a motor system that I like that I'm putting on it, then I really can't finish that. So anyway, so I was like, okay, um, Uh, I went back and kind of posted that information. And then I realized I have a poll at the beginning of that build log. Uh, We could put a a link to the build log again if you, if anybody really wants it. um, If you think it's worth doing, Joe. Um, And at the beginning of it, I have a poll. Like where would you like to see the Prandtl wing used with? Like what plane would you like to see using that, that stuff to see if it changes how it flies? Right. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of remove the tail and, and see what happens. Uh, there was like the, the Explorer, um, uh, the Arrow was one, and a couple others. I don't have it open, so I can't really just go down the list real quick. It's not a huge deal. But ultimately, for a long while, it was uh, the Explorer. And then it looks like a couple more people found the site and went, what? I want to see it on an Arrow. <laughs> I, I want to see you build an Arrow that uses this stuff, and we can get rid of those stupid winglets and maybe some of that waggle.
0: Um, now, the the arrow is just a, uh, <laughs> that's just a, a wing, right? A flying yeah, wing? It's just a
1: flying wing. It's like a, if you are from the old school, the zaggy wings, which are basically, mm-hmm. it's like a 20 degree sweep. Um, and it has like an engine cutout. So the engine is pushed as close to the center of mass as is reasonable uh, and create like a wing that has some structure. And then it's got a cutout for the propeller so that it's not chopping up your plane. But right. and then it's open all the way from from that back, as opposed to creating a slot. Oh, you could probably build it with a slot, but the slots tend to be really really loud, um, and this tends to be a little bit less, and it's a little bit more efficient that way. Anyway, I'm just trying to, to, to think, the,
0: think how you would get. I mean, I guess you just curl the the arrow wings, but that's not unlike just a stunted version of a Prandtl wing, right? So. What I did is I actually took the Prandtl Planker wing,
1: I scaled it down so it would be the width of one twenty the, the width of a phone board instead of the, the length. Okay. Um and then I swept it back by twenty degrees. So I kind of cut the inside parts in at an angle, and then the wing tips I kind of brought in at that same angle, so it's a parallelogram instead of a box, basically. Right. Um, and then I cut out that notch where the motor goes much like the arrow so that the motor is a lot closer to the center of gravity. Um, and then that way I don't need as big a battery, uh, sticking out the front. Like right now, the planker, you, you need a, a little fuse or something to kind of hold the batteries. Cause it right now they all stick out from the nose, you know, like right. they're kind of, they're sitting, the, the center of mass is like at the tip of the nose. So you got half a <laughs> battery hanging out the front, which not really the best. You know situation. So, um, so short short of creating a pod for that one, I'm like, well, what if I sweep the thing back? It'll bring all the all the CG back, and then that nose that's naturally there in the 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 wing will will put the battery weight far enough forward. We'll just naturally balance on the on the you know the plane itself, right? Um, and it really the big difference is instead of having you know the outer the whole back. Uh, section of the wing to be you know the the elevators where they're you know they they turn and you know they they roll and uh, loop. uh elevons elevons thank you that's the term
0: yeah um, sorry I, I remember I learned, calling like ailerators or something way back in episode four so we knew what you're talking about <laughs> i
1: hope everybody remembers that uh, <laughs> I don't know what. Anyway, but yeah, thank you uh, for, for coming up with the term. Um, so instead of doing that and using the whole back half of the wing, because the thrust that gets generated is only in the outer section of the wing, you basically have the outer quarter of the wing has the control surfaces. So they're, they're a little bit deeper, but they're not as wide. And okay. and then basically I'm going to use that. And I haven't seen if it it, func- it should function the same. Uh, as the plank version. Uh, but I haven't, t- so because I haven't tested it, I don't know, for sure. I'd like to confirm that. And then basically, I'll, uh, you know, I'll shout it to the world and post it on uh, a bunch of different places. But right now, it's just in the build log, I do have the plans available, anybody wanting to build a beta version of it, uh, where you may have to find the CG. <laughs> and you may find that it doesn't fly as well as I hoped it would. But um, but i you mean know, the goal is to kind of test these things and see. So, anyway, so i got that built and i did test it, but i just had i assumed the cg was a little bit further forward uh i think than it is because when i released it it just kind of nose down and no matter how much elevator i put into it it just wouldn't come up. Like it tried, but it wouldn't quite come up. So it's very nose heavy.
0: Okay.
1: Um so then I'm like, okay. And my stubborn me wasn't figuring that out fast enough. Uh, so I didn't get a shot while I was at the field. And I'm basically like, okay. Um, the camera got, uh, one of the wires got cut as it was zoomed past. It bounced off the ground and zoomed past the the whirling propeller. So um, uh, yeah, it, it's actually a pretty clean cut. So it looks like I should be able to solder that in a moment and get my FPV camera back. Um, but otherwise there was no real damage. So. Uh, I end up changing off batteries and kind of moving things around. And I did a, I did a toss test the other day and it seemed to fly pretty reasonably well. So I think like it wasn't like this crazy long glide or anything, but it did glide for a, a while, you know, mm-hmm. before I think it lost enough speed and it just kind of sunk down to the ground. Um, w- based on that, I should be able to give it some power and get it into the air and fly it around and test it. So, um, so it's been there and ready for, at least a day since Scouts, so it's Monday. That was yesterday. Man, that's a long day. Anyway, yeah, but but Sunday, so it's uh, been about. I've had it ready for about a day. So I think I think I might have an opportunity to fly it tomorrow. I'm hoping, um, and then if I film it and all that stuff, I can get that build video out because I build. I did a build video for the Prandtl Arrow too. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to basically as part of that, I want to, you know, link the plans. I want to, you know, kind of put it out there for anybody to be able to build okay. and test it out. I think it's a pretty exciting thing to, it's, I feel like it's one of the most exciting things to happen to to the way things fly. Uh, as, as As exciting as like 6th Gen, where pilots no longer really need to think about flying. They just sort of point the plane. And they're more worried right. about what they're doing, uh, which is the the fighting aspect of it, and the dog fighting and stuff. Um, you know, building planes that have no business flying. You know, that kind of deal. That's that's pretty <laughs> exciting too. You know. So anyway, uh, so th- those are the big things that I did. At least, I mean, it doesn't seem like much. And I've been building the the Thirteenth Squadron P sixty one during uh, this last Friday uh, at the build night with everybody. Uh, I was able to put together the nose cowls and I got the tail cones all glued up and ready. Um, and I was working on the main pod and I got the front and I got the back and there's a lot of, um, pieces in the middle that don't like, they don't all sit on the same former, I think. All right. Cause when I was trying to piece it again, I'm like, okay, I'm not sure how this all goes. And, the plans that I have rolled up somewhere have the, the kind of like the, I'll call it the key.
0: So, um, I seem to remember at one point during that night hearing you say, wait, did I just put that on backwards? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I might've, one of the (laughs) things I'm like, I can't tell, is it supposed to go
1: that way or that way? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, so really what I should have done is just paused for a minute, found that plan and just, uh, pulled it out or just, uh, uh, you know, pulled the PDF out and looked at that one section. That would have been really smart. Anyway, so I, that's pretty much what I've been up to between that. And, uh, I've been doing a little bit of pilot training, um, you know, kind of got on that. And, uh, I did get out to fly all the way from, which it was not far at all, but, uh, I went to our local airport and went to the Fayetteville uh, airport, regional airport. So that's a, that's from an uncontrolled airport to a towered airport, uh, and I also went from there to the neighboring untowered airport uh, at a different day. And so, you know, just practicing landings and practicing uh, the the radio work and things like that. And that. Like the first one, uh, it had been a while, so it was kind of like kicking off all the rust. And the second time I was uh, feeling pretty good about it. I think the biggest thing is I probably need to look to my left or my right as I'm landing so I can get a, a better handle on the attitude of the plane. Because when I pull up to flare, I feel like I flared when, in fact, I'm just leveled out. Uh Ah. So I end up making Hmm. a lot of three-point landings, which I think uh, makes the instructor pretty nervous. Fair, which, you know, fair.
0: Three-point as in one wheel, (laughs) then another wheel, and then your nose wheel?
1: No, all three at once.
0: Oh. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, understandably. You know, it really should be the back two wheels. And then the front wheel kind of comes down when the plane loses lift. That, that's
0: how feel, it's supposed to go. Yeah, I feel like that would be like a, a, a feeling sensation thing to, yeah. to just have a feel for. I, I, some of it is, but
1: I think you kind of need to get that general frame of reference before you get the f- to know that you're in the right attitude. And mm. then I, I know what the right one feels like. When I'm flared right, I can feel it just gently coming down, and I'm barely touching the ground, and I can feel it slowly lose the lift and bring the nose down, like the nose wheel down and touch. So I can feel that, but if I'm not in that attitude, you know, I I mean, I have, I, I make the right decisions coming around the pattern if I'm too high or too low or or you know, too far out or too far in, like I can adjust and basically be lined up and ready to go and ready to land at the right speed at the right attitude and all that kind of stuff. Except right as I come down and do that last like 10 feet where you flare and <laughs> do the thing, I've got my whatever I've got in my head as this is right, is <laughs> it's <laughs> <apparently>, not right. <laughs> it's not right. It's a little off. Um, And it's what I need to do next time is just do a quick check on my left or my right and just kind of go, oh, yeah, a little bit more he's like, no, just keep pulling back. I'm like, well, last time I did that, I started going up in the air. Like, <laughs> You don't want to do that either because then you lose airspeed and then you're, you're much higher. You want to lose airspeed, you know, and but you don't want to do it at 20 feet. You want to do it at, like, two, you know. So, okay. Anyway, so, you know, it's one of those things where I'm, I've still got to work out the feel for that. Um, and I always find it very interesting. Like, I'm taking off from a two-lane road effectively. Like a, a yeah. half mile long court a two lane road, um and then so landing at another any almost any other airport that has something that's actually a pretty decent sized runway, I come back and, and I look and I'm like, it's just a line. There's a little tiny line. I've got I got to land on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tiny. I know, it's so tiny. Um and I I know I can land on. It. I've done it tons of times. And that's part of why I chose that airport. So it's just always funny that that impression. You know, when you come back and you're like, oh, man, I don't know. That's awful tiny. <laughs> yeah. I hope I can hit that. But it's it's really good, honestly, for helping you keep lined up uh, with the center line. So anyway, so there's that. Oh, and I, I put in, uh, they give me a solo test. Not to take home or fill out. And just so that I, they know that I know what I'm supposed to know to uh, when I, when they feel comfortable, I'm ready to, to be soloed. So, um, so I turned that in and pretty sure I passed it according to He's like, okay, good. We got that done. Good. Nice. Well, congratulations Um, on that. Yeah. Thanks. So practicing for the FA ridden and, you know, trying to get a better feel for the landing so that I flare properly. And then, you know, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that, but it's been pretty good. I've got about uh, three or four days kind of set up and at the beginning of next month. So um, I'm hoping uh, to be, you know, kind of on the next leg of the journey. But we'll see. I'm not I don't need to push it. I just need to get there. That's right. That's it. cool. All right. Um So I guess that brings us to
0: uh, our listener comments? No, that brings us to me.
1: Oh man, I thought you already did. <laughs> no. Okay.
0: Uh, so what do well, you explain, so, Joe? Not uh, nothing. Um just, just not had time to get out. Um trying to think yeah, but you've been working on something. Uh, for like yeah, a few minutes. I'm trying to think, what was I doing two weekends ago? Uh you uh, made oh, some progress with the seven. I did, but I was trying to think, but we were out of town for our um for the we were out of town meeting water. with some friends. Right? Right, okay, right. And then um that was when we released, and then this past weekend, uh, we had the build night on the Friday night. So I did get mm-hmm. to get a little work done on the seven. Mm-hmm. Um mostly I just built the cockpit section. Yeah, the uh, canopy. Canopy. Yeah. yeah. How how was Which, that? Uh, a bear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> what, what did you find? So, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the way the uh, heaven, uh, hangar RC's uh, cockpit, it's kind of set up like a master series thing, where yeah. they're kind of like little wedges that you sort of crunch together, and it creates that that curved canopy front, mm-hmm. and then you sort of butt glue those those sections together and if you hold it for long enough it'll be good but it's kind of tricky because there's not a whole lot of real estate to hold on to um in those little wedges at the ends of them
0: yeah so what ultimately ended up being one of my biggest problems was i i i crushed and curled the foam plenty Mm -hmm. um when i glued it together i didn't i didn't curl it enough during the glue time. Okay. Okay. So the cockpit wanted to be wider or the canopy wanted to be wider than the base. I was going to end up gluing it on. Cause at one right. point, um, I muttered and, uh, <laughs> you were like, what happened? And my <laughs> canopy hit, I was fighting the glue. Cause you kind of have to glue it all the way around this big block all at one time. And it just wasn't sitting right. And yeah, did, didn't uh, I thought I mentioned
1: something about uh, painter's tape? Uh, painter's tape oh. can be your friend in that circumstance. And I think your response was, "What was it? What? What was <laughs> painter's
0: tape? Yeah, something like that." Oh, was <laughs> <And so laughs> f- talking about?
1: How do you feel about that recommendation now?
0: <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what painter's tape is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. Okay
0: it probably it probably would have helped but i don't know
1: it was what it does is it frees up your hand to be i guess holding it in while the pieces are stuck together mm-hmm. that that's what i found it helps with when when you're doing that kind of thing you're curling a whole section
0: it it may have helped but ultimately i didn't have the the a tight enough curl on the canopy in the first mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. you know so whether it was my hand or the tape something was going to be fighting to keep it compressed down anyway so
1: that's fair um
0: it actually had some glue that the foam actually tore uh at one point um the glue didn't come loose the the foam actually gave out at one point due to the stress of me trying to have it compressed into the right shape even though the the hot glue wanted to be in a different shape so
1: (laughs) i'll tell you what that is one of the difficulties i'll call it that's probably the The only part of that build that's very Master Series style, you know what I mean? Um, There's a couple parts that are closer, but like that one really, if you can tackle that, you can probably tackle almost every Master Series that's ever been out there. Any kind of curled foam construction technique. Um, It's a tricky part. It really is.
0: The canopy and the wingtips, which I still haven't gotten on that plane, are the two hardest parts. Get your
1: packers pack, packers tape, packing tape, get or, or get the um painter's tape for the winglets. You you will regret it if you don't. I uh, mean, th- uh, fair. Um, just I because just... you they're so small and they're rarely going to really hold their own the shape that you that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really going to need. You're going to be spreading it with your fingers to get the right shape while it's the glue is drying. But you can't have the edge come apart. You want that to be tight. And so you, it's really tough to pinch uh, the outside edge and kind of spread open the inside piece where the spar would go. Right. Uh, at the same time, it's very difficult to do. So, really, having the painter's tape deal with the edge will give you the freedom to, to work the other half. So, maybe you'll find something better, though. And if you do, share it. Because, uh, um, you know, those know. are probably the two hardest parts about that build. Um, uh, what did you do? You agree? I mean, do you feel like the rest of the plane was pretty straightforward?
0: Yeah, no, the rest of the plane's been walking apart, but mm-hmm. those those two, the wingtips and the canopy, have been interesting so far. Yeah,
1: I, I and think I'm not complaining.
0: A, just no. Well, no,
1: I mean, and that's I'm, we're just sharing our experiences, really. Uh, I yeah. mean, I could tell you that the the P sixty one is a lot of curling foam. It's oh, a yeah. lot of butt joining different pieces of this and that. Painter's tape is the only way you're going to kind of get it done.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it, it's not easy. Um, but at the same point, it's pretty rewarding. When you get closer and closer to, like, coming up with the final shapes, you're like, oh, there it is. I see yeah. I see that Black Widow coming into being here. This is awesome. Um, you know, uh, it's so, it, you know, I, I tell you what, the one thing I liked about building the RV7 as I'm building it, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of space in this cockpit area. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of space. Like, I didn't have to like squeeze servos in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's room to put your servos. There's room for your battery. There's room for, um, honestly. And when you get further along, there's a there's room to even make like a little tray to make a standard pod slide in. You know. Like there's enough room and there's, you know, to put a receiver on the one side and a, you know, it, it's nice uh, like that. I, I'm just so used to the flight test ones where they're, they're, they're packing
0: it all in. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, um, that's pretty much me. It was just like two hours on the seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I and mean, you got some quality time with it and then you got to see it
1: continue to take shape, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And Um, got to
1: hang with you guys, so that was good. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, We'll get to that uh, in about one second here, I think. Uh, Do we have any comments? Uh,
0: We did have one that I know of. Um, Richard had put in our show comments uh, section of the Discord. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just letting us know that he really enjoyed listening to the episode with Pat and Mike uh, from the Flight Test Community Podcast. and. Just reiterating, those guys were a blast to hang out with and chat with. Like we had a ton of fun with it.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. So uh, thanks, Richard, for reaching out and let us know uh, how we're doing. You know, it's nice to hear a little bit of feedback, uh, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And he gave us some suggestions if we ever end up trying to do kind of a live event,
0: which is nice. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I'll have to look into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, good. Cool. Uh,
1: I don't think I saw anything on Facebook or our emails or anything. So if you do have a comment or question or you have a topic idea that is something you'd like to hear us talk about, or if you'd like us to just shut up, you can always put that in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't put that in there. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I, I would just like to hear, you know, what do you, what are you guys thinking? How are you feeling? Um, mm. But, yeah, reach out. Um, you reach out at Matthew at com or Joe at um, Or you can go to the website and hit the, the what is it, contact us. Contact us. us. Mm-hmm. And fill out the form there, and that will reach us as well. So, um, please, uh, let us know what you're thinking.
0: Um, moving along, we have a bit of hobby news recently. Um, and you're a little more in the know on all this. You want to talk about it? Okay. That was my news section intro. Um, uh-huh. <laughs>
1: I don't, I don't know about, I was in the know. I, I, let's just say that when the YouTube live stream for flight tests podcast came up, I just happened to be in a spot where I could go, well, let's see what they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this last one, uh, they were talking to John Overstreet, they uh, I'll call it their master series designer. And he was indicating that over the last month or two, um, they've been hinting at the ability to print using basically like a, like a 3d CNC machine kind of deal gantry system. Um, but instead of having like a CNC machine, they have actually a print head. I'd say it's more than hinting. Okay. They've been they've been promoting. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then basically so that to show that they can basically print, uh, what is it, waterproof ink on water-resistant white uh, Dollar Tree foam board, I think was what they were doing. Okay. Um, and so basically they're printing the skins, much like uh, if you're on the flight test forums, then one of their forum members, Rasterize, kind of brought up the idea of, you know, just pull off the old paper, and put on this printed, you know, uh, skin, this colored finished looking, you know, graphic onto your wing or onto your plane. And now you've got something that instead of looking like a piece of white something flying around or, or one or two colors from maybe packing tape or something or spray paint, um, do that. And you have a fully detailed as much detail as you want to put into your, your graphic. Right. Um, and you basically, you know, spray it on and all that stuff. And a lot of people have kind of taken this and and done a couple things with it. Um, Rasterize being one of the main ones as far as the flight test forms are concerned. Uh, And of course, we've had our guest, uh, Sam Platt, who runs the Hangar RC. um, And his whole thing is he's like, you can just, you know, it's he enjoys that process a heck of a lot better than doing spray paint. So uh, his company is focused on creating some really detailed. Beautiful looking skins, things you you're really proud of, especially when you come to the field. I've had somebody, I think I told it uh, a couple weeks ago. It's like, oh my god, is that is that foam board? You know, like yep, yeah, Yep, that's foam board. It's just a skin you kind of put on the foam and build it like any other plane. Um, <laughs> so it's a it's similar thing. Except the difference is, I guess they're printing it directly on the foam board. Uh, I think that the big news is one, the process is uh, they're happy with it. I guess they're complete. And so they're basically building mighty mini sizes. So about Park Flyer 30-inch size planes is what it looks like, 30 to 40-inch. I think the standard uh, are going to cost $28. uh, Wait, no, $34 for a standard kit. For right now, they have a uh, T28 Trojan. And uh, if you want one of these skins as uh, printed on directly onto the the laser-cut kit, it's a $20 ad, so that would be $62, is that? Uh, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So his price point we is 62 bucks. Yeah, because we were looking at uh, the prices before we got going, and I was actually surprised when, when that price came out. I was expecting it to be a lot more. Yeah, me too. Um, it's still yeah. more than I want to spend for it, considering <laughs> <laughs> consider it's a speed kit, then it... That, you know, one crash and, you know, I've crumpled the nose and it's not going to look remotely as good as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's just me, you know. Yeah, um, but, but the price came in a lot, really a lot lower than I thought it was. Now, that said, that is the the Mighty Minis. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not our, it's like two our old fogies, our, our simple cubs, our Spitfires, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're about to see what what those end up coming in at, but right, yeah, he's uh, he's got a lot of designing to do before then.
1: Yeah, and I, I so based on that pricing though, it it strikes me as it, it'd be basically double the price. Whatever your standard kit is, uh, double the price will get you a printed skin on it um, through mm-hmm. that method. Now, I I don't know if that's just like an introductory price. It sounds like they're this is the price they're looking to do. Um, yeah, so. So anyway, that, that was news. It's pretty exciting, as in it's a technology that is now... It's been available to the commercial world, but it looks like they're trying to bring it to this hobby. And in in this side of the hobby with the foam and the foam board. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm interested to in seeing how it goes, uh, how successful that part of it is. Um, and, you know, honestly, I urge... Why don't you just go out and take a look at at both, you know, the Hangar C and these printed skins, and see what you think of it? I'd love to hear. Honestly, reach out, let us know. What do you think is the difference? Like, uh, is there one you'd prefer, uh, or you know, do you do you even want to go for? It? Would you be like, no, I'm not paying that much for it. It's not good. Right.
0: I mean, I'll have to see at some point. You know, see somebody else who's who's done it and see what the reviews are on it. Mm-hmm. On r and such i can tell you like as far as skins go like and, and i'm not trying to i am but i'm not trying to promote one over the other um you know having built the vulture and working on the seven now the the thickness of the paper that's being used for the skin and the process of gluing it to the foam mm-hmm. just seems to make the plane sturdier yeah like if i like, I'm still terrified I'm going to crash that 7 on its maiden flight. <laughs> but,
1: yeah. you know, I don't Understood.
0: know. I I feel like it'll probably take it better than, you know, just printed straight on the phone board. And I don't know. Well, let's we'll yeah. see.
1: I, I haven't built a non-skinned one, I don't think, uh, to see what its durability would be and compare it with the one the 7 I built. So uh, if I do, I, I'll I'll let you know what I think. Um, all right. Well, I guess, is there any other news that we want to bring up or anything? I'm um, sure. Just look, look for black Friday sales coming up and, you know, cause uh, when you see this, it will be black Friday weekend. So cyber Monday, all that stuff.
0: That's true. Um, no, no more news. I don't think except we had the build party this past Friday night. Oh yeah. Um, that's and it was good to see some guys I hadn't seen come out to the build party, uh, in a while. Cause, uh, mm-hmm. Tinch was there. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, he, was, know, Tony, build, he was. a
1: building fool that whole night. It was great. Yeah, he was, he was doing some really cool stuff. He has a. He's working on the Sea Angel, but he's making it very much uh, modeled after the Porco Russo model, and it's it's really it's turned out great.
0: Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tony was there. Tony comes to a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Patrick Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out and joined us for it. That was really cool. Yeah, that was um, awesome.
1: He was he was uh he was building some axes
0: and some axe handles. hmm Um, Dave Eardley, Eardley, yeah. uh, yeah, Eardley. Yeah, our uh, hi, Dave. F- our flight fest buddy came out and yeah, man. joined in. He wanted to see what that was all about. Mm-hmm. Did I miss anybody? Uh, There's a lot of people we missed. <laughs> yeah, because I was only there for a little bit.
1: Yeah, so we had a couple of people kind of come in for a brief minute. There's a couple of guys who are new to the forum. Ooh, um, Richard
0: came, that's right. Yeah,
1: Richard came. Richard joined us. Um, and I, I don't, there's a couple of guys who were new, just like straight out new. Um, we had, a, I think, 2020, who like just joined the forums and he, he came in, but I don't think he was able to figure out the mic situation. So he didn't stay for very long, unfortunately, had to go. Which uh, all I can say is if you do join up and you're having problems, uh, you could you could text one of us directly and just kind of ask for some help, or you could also just, you know, if it doesn't work out this week, you know, the week that we're doing that, you know, uh, try again. You know, try next time. Um, yeah. And then in the meantime, just ask some questions about it, and we'll see if we can help you. Because, uh, we you know, I, I really enjoy being able to share what we're doing in this hobby. Um, you know, it's not easy to really get together and hang out with, too many people anyway so it's nice to be able to do this here
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah man you know it was a good it was a good time there's a lot of people building very interesting uh interesting things and we definitely had some conversations going on that were good
0: good okay. it looks like you're trying to plan a build night or a sim night you know what so over the holiday break um
1: I have, after the kids go off to their mothers in in my house, that's what happens in the holidays. um, I have pretty much that week and the week of and the week after um, off, more or less. Oh, that's nice. And I don't have any of the kids, so I'm free to spend a little bit more time on the hobby. And honestly, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, So what I'm thinking about doing is we'll set up a standard sim night. Um, I know for Cub Scouts, uh, the 11th or so, we're doing a campout. I know the weekend before that, the Boy Scouts are doing a campout. So that means that the following weekends are pretty free. So I'm thinking, um, maybe not, shoot, I just realized Friday night is the night I may be bringing them up. So um, I wanted to do something in December. Uh, maybe we'll do it Saturday night and Saturday day. Um, so December 18th, uh, let's see, Saturday, December 18th from eight to 11, we can do a build night and then maybe a SIM afternoon, uh, earlier that day. And just basically, if you got your SIM on and you want to just get out and hang, um, we'll, we'll have the SIM open and we'll just be flying around and just talk shop and things like that.
0: All right, sounds good. Um, we may want to look into because I I don't know that we'll host the files, but I think because some guys were asking where they get the files and such, the uh, flight Mm -hmm. test planes and such, just to make sure that everybody in the room would have the right files. I think I'll throw a channel into the Discord, right? Um, that's you know, nobody can post in there, and then I'll put the links to the locations that the flight fest or the flight test. Uh, right. plain models are so they can okay. be downloaded, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're wanting to come to the uh, the Sun night, you know, pop into Discord and um, we'll have a channel set up beforehand yeah. that'll have the link to those uh, to those models so you can get them downloaded. And it'll be through Phoenix RC uh, yeah. version six,
1: yep. Uh, Phoenix RC version six, I think I is the subset in there. Uh, And then, you know, again, the other thing we ask everybody to do is uh, go to the flight test forum page with the flight test models and download that set and install those. Mm -hmm. Um, And that way, when people are grabbing their favorite flight test model to fly around with us, um, everybody can see it. Good. All
0: right. Uh, Matthew, I think you're covering the, uh, the plane history this time. I am. I am. Uh, I'm going to
1: cover the Northrop P-61 Black Widow. Gee, I wonder why. Well, you know, I've been spending a little bit of time learning about <laughs> the plane I build, which is what I like to do. Yeah. Um, so as I learned about the P-61, I was like, okay, uh, now I know why it's called the Black Widow, <laughs> you know, and that kind of thing. So well, let me get into it. So basically... Um, Uh, This plane was basically a long-range, all-weather, all-night interceptor for the Air Defense Command, which is basically the Air Air Force, Um, until 1940. I think it's from 1940 to 1948. Uh, And then it continued on in service in the 5th Air Force until 1950, which is not a whole lot longer, but it basically turned into reconnaissance craft. Okay. uh, And continued doing some... and And then it went into civilian service to do some um some other more science related stuff because it had radar on board so it could do some additional um learn you know additional tests and things that other planes couldn't really help with cuz they they weren't equipped you know to to have the the space on board you know what i mean right all right so um let's see at the same time the british uh, the british purchasing commission which is basically the the, the purchasing armed forces uh, for, for Britain, as well as the U.S. Uh, Air, uh, let's see, they were, and the U.S. Air Force, uh, they were declaring that they, they both had an urgent need uh, for a high-altitude, high-speed aircraft to intercept Luftwaffe bombers that were attacking London at night during the war. Uh, and they said, this, you know, this is what we need. Um, so they said we need an aircraft that can patrol continuously over the city throughout the night, requires at least eight hours of loiter capacity. Uh, the aircraft would carry uh, one, like one heavy, like one of the early uh, radar units, which are really heavy, uh, and mount, and then it said it, it should have multiple turrets. Yeah. Um, and that's basically kind of all they did is they put that out there. And so all the manufacturers of the day were kind of, you know, these are the uh, Northrop at the time was basically producing, we'll call it sub assemblies. So they weren't producing any like full planes, but all the full menu, the normal manufacturers, the ones that were in full production at the time were like producing the Mustang and the Spitfire. And they were producing like, all of the planes that were being used in the war at the time. So their capacity was pretty full. Right. Uh, and so it turns out this little, I'll call it subsection of the air industry decided, let's take a shot at the big boys. Um, and yeah, why dis- not? Right. Uh, and so they said, well, we can do this. Um, and so they looked at it and they said, this thing's going to need to be big. Like it's gonna, that, that system's heavy. Plus they want how many turrets? Oh my gosh, this is going to be, it's going to be big. So Mm -hmm. they decided it should be a twin engine. And then they kind of debated whether or not they're going to have a twin boom or do a single boom and um, an empennage, a standard empennage kind of deal. Um, And so with that, they kind of, uh, I guess they they kind of came up with, they decided on a twin boom and uh, a long wingspan. So it's actually, um, it's a 50 foot length with a 66 foot wingspan. So it's almost kind of, I wouldn't say lopsided. I guess most planes are kind of those
0: ratios. But I was going to say, is that outside the ratio of normal aircraft?
1: Uh, I suppose not, because I'm thinking most planes are like 25 feet to like 35 foot wingspan. Okay. So I suppose that's not dramatically out of proportions or anything. But it's, it looks it. I don't know. You kind of look at it and you're like, that looks kind of squat. I don't know. Squat.
0: I mean, it might be the, the twin tail booms. Because be. the um, the uh, lightning kind of looks that way too.
1: Yeah, and and when it really probably isn't honestly. Um, so okay, the 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 interesting thing and and the exciting part about uh, this plane, what this plane did for pretty much uh, the future of aviation, is they took this radar which was beforehand only ground based. So what they would do is they'd have these massive radar um, arrays on the ground, uh, doing their best to detect incoming aircraft. And then they would relay, uh, vector information to pilots who were out loitering, trying to defend, you know, whatever they're defending, um, and try to get them over to, uh, to the enemy at the time. And so what they did is they took this radar and they found a way to kind of scale it down almost like a three foot dish. Uh, okay. a 30-inch th- dish and they just had on like a little rotating thing in the nose. Um and so the interesting thing about radar is the radar will reflect water and metal. Reflect off of. Reflect off of well, it'll it'll bounce back, basically. Yeah. Um, which I mean I ultimately I guess it reflects in every direction, but we it only gets received uh the parts that come back, of course. Um anyway, so this was the first plane that had a radar on board. Um, hmm. and so it would, it would be a scanning radio, uh, transmitter and aircraft nose. Uh, it was called the, let's see the production model, the SCR seven twenty a. Um, and it, it, like I said, it's that little dish in the, in the, rotating round in the front. It had a range of nearly five miles and it could also function as an air, air, uh, airborne beacon, a homing device, uh, navigational aids, and it can be used in concert with, uh, uh, any kind of interrogator responder uh, IFF units. So uh, it it's, was able to kind of extend
0: IFF being indicator friend foes, your your yep. friendly foe tags. Uh, thank you. Uh,
1: yeah yeah e- exactly. It. yep. And of course that that dramatically improves um, how fighters respond to threats, right? <laughs> it helps you yeah. see which ones are threats, uh, threats even further out, uh, as well as helping triangulate and and coordinate forces going out. Um, the so the radar operator would locate the targets on the scope, and then it would steer the units, basically what the units these Black Widows were part of, uh, to track them and give them vectoring and steering real time. Um, whereas before they you know they would have to call in, um, you know, and get. Uh, oral instructions and corrections and stuff like from a base unit. And of course mm-hmm. the thing with the base unit is that they're typically about tree level. So they get a lot of ground interference. So yeah. oftentimes that made it very difficult, especially if the planes were flying low to be able to um, discern if it was in fact a threat or if it was some sort of thing showing up on the radar. Um, anyway, once, uh, once the plane was within range, um, the pilot would use the smaller scope that was integrated. So the pilot had a small scope um, up front with him. And the radar, there's was three, three um, crewmen. So there's a pilot, there was a gunner uh, behind him, and they were in the front of the section of the plane. And then the tail section is uh, the radar operator. And the radar operator would basically give oral instruction to the pilot to get him generally close. And then once he was close enough, he had a little scope on him so he could just go ahead and continue... Uh, flying directly to the target um, okay. and close in. Um, and so the neat thing about that is that, so this plane was also, let's talk about the armaments. Um, it was uh, armed with, where did I put that? It's right here somewhere. Um, it was put uh, with four, let's see, four uh, 50 caliber turrets, uh, turret guns, and uh, two we'll call two twin mounted 20 millimeter cannons that were on the belly of the plane stacked parallel with each other um, and on top of each other. So they're basically kind of four, uh, one left and one right. And then there are two, two guns on the belly that were left and right stacked on top of each other. And they were kind of parallel. I think they were slightly converging, but, but for the most part, it was pretty much straight. So when, you know, the pilot pointed the plane, he could, you know, just like we we're talking last time um, with the lightning, he could just point and shoot, and as if if, right. the, if he could lead the lead the target well enough, it would get the target, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And the, now remember, these things were also designed to take out the bombers that were coming in to bomb London. So they had uh, they had to get up into high altitudes, uh, they had to stay up there, and they had to have par- cannons powerful enough to shoot them down. Um, the neat thing about the turret. Uh, turret was operated by the gunner or the radar. Um, and it had a 360 degree uh, sweep and a 90 degree up and down. So it was literally the entire top half of the plane was within threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would basically turn that around and, and using the scope information that they had, uh, they would line up the enemy. And so they would kind of, they would, I think they would be trying to set up so they can fly underneath And just behind their enemy where it's basically the blind spot of the plane and take out their bomber. I mean, yeah, perfect spot to be. Mm -hmm. Now, originally they also wanted to have a tail, uh, a tail turret. And they realized that that was just going to be too heavy and too much, um, for that plane. And in the, like the second or third iteration, they ended up removing that and just leaving the top turret, uh, the, the ventral turret. Um, With that, uh, the ventral turret had a hard time, I guess, with uh, some of the gyroscopes that were being used to kind of stabilize it and move it around. Um, It was not as accurate as they kind of wanted it to be or needed it to be to be as effective. Um, So unfortunately, while it looks like they had a huge threat range, uh, it was like firing an inaccurate gun.
0: It was a was a lot of the recoil just carrying into the Mm-mm. the frame of the turret or
1: no, it's more like, uh, we'll call it uh play within the turret.
0: Okay. You know,
1: there was like slight inaccuracies with the, how the gyroscope, uh, translated the gunners, you know, sighting and stuff like that. So, so the gunner would line up and the turret would move, but it would be slightly off. And when it hmm. fired, it wouldn't be as accurate and it wouldn't be the same every time.
0: Like oh, usually, so it wasn't predictable that they could then offset it. Yeah.
1: It's every time they went through, the gyro would be a little off in a different direction. So oh, that it sucks. Was, it, w- it was basically like a tolerance within the gyroscope that was causing the problem. So it, it made it really hard for it to be a very effective weapon, but it was still definitely a big threat, um, you know, it, and it's not like they didn't use it to effectiveness. So. um mm-hmm. Let's see, the the engines, let's go over some of the specs. Um, so, like I said, it was 50 feet long. It was 66 foot wingspan. It was almost 15 feet high. Um, it used basically, it, it's, it's a Parka 46, which is almost like a Clark Y wing foil. But the trailing edge has kind of like a built-in uh, flap mechanism. Okay. Uh, it's one of those ones you got to look up. There's a lot more going on there. I didn't have time to research, um, but it definitely looks like it's a pretty interesting thing there. Um, it is a twenty-three, was it twenty-three thousand pound plane, um, and when went it was empty, f- When empty, and another basically add another seven thousand pounds for its uh, all up weight uh, on average. And then the max t- takeoff weight was 36,000. So it had an additional 7,000-pound capacity, um, which was oftentimes eaten up by fuel because it had to be up there for eight hours. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, e- <laughs> eight, eight hours, man, that's a long time to just hang out. Um, but then again, I mean, if you're protecting your country all you know all night long, that's the way to do it.
0: It is. It has a lot of fuel, but once you go into uh, just – yeah, a cruising speed. Yeah. Yeah, your your consumption drops off.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh and well, and this one also had so much uh, carrying capacity that it, it could hold up to four hundred and sixty five gallon drop tanks. So that was uh calculation six hundred and fifty gallons additional. So that basically doubled the capacity of of uh fuel, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive. Uh, and then, of course, last but not least, is the engines. These were Pratt & Whitney uh, R2865W Double Wasps. Uh, they're 18-cylinder air-cooled radial pistons. And they produced 2,250 horsepower each. Yeah.
0: Oh, that, that whistle failed. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> boy, nope. oh, boy. Pa- apparently, I started sucking at whistling at some point. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Well, it would, so basically it would, it would travel 366 miles an hour, which you think is pretty fast, but if it's trying to catch up to fighters, right? What are the fighters of those days flying at? Do you remember some from our, some of our earlier fighters? I do not, but they're, 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 they're like, they're not much. Oh, okay. I about to say they're not much slower than that. But. You know that? Well, they're not like they're in between like 340 to like 400 Uh, depending on altitude and all that other stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So these would basically, if they could sneak up on their enemy, they'd get them, you know, if they could line it up right and get a good shot. But if they, if the fighters needed to, and they managed to get far enough away, um, they'd just outrun them. Yeah. So, uh, which, you know, I guess that's one of the difficulties of that plane, but generally speaking. So, and of course, as the war went on, these become less and less effective. And so the, the truth is, with those kind of specs, by the time they made it to the European um, theater, they were pretty much out of spec. You know, the, the planes that were out there were already kind of beating it a little bit. So the, really the thing it had an advantage was its uh, stealthiness or its ability to see where other planes typically can't. Right. You know, um, it had a 1,300-mile range range. Um, or, uh, and it could go with the external fuel tanks. It could go 1,900 miles. Uh, it could go up to 33,000 feet, which in those days was about as high as most any plane ever got. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it took basically 12, 12 minutes to get up to a cruising altitude of 20,000 feet. So it was pretty neat. Um, It's a cool looking aircraft in my mind. It's like one of the coolest. Yeah. You know, know, it's just a neat. Oh, and that's what the other thing. There's a couple of things. They tested uh, like the olive drab green plane. And then and and you'll notice that most of the planes are a glossy black. And what they did is they flew a bunch of tests overnight uh, over uh, Florida, over the anti-aircraft guns that were posed out there to defend America. And they asked them, which ones did you find? And they basically didn't find any of the glossy black ones, but they found a handful of the green ones. Huh. From the searchlights and that kind of stuff. So that oh, glossy okay. black made them harder to
0: spot. So they're like, all right, glossy black it is. <laughs> you would have thought that um, that matte black would have been better than gloss.
1: I, I Yeah, I don't I guess it's um, maybe the spotlight would only highlight a small part, part of the plane itself which Mm -hmm. would only be a small pinprick. And at that distance, it'd be hard to see the reflection. Whereas a matte black would kind of highlight the whole plane. I know the gloss kind of makes the off angles darker.
0: Okay. I can see that,
1: you know, and I I bet you that's probably what's going on there. It's just a conjecture. I don't know. Uh, Maybe if you do know, you can let us know. Tell us, tell us how that worked. Um, I'm trying to think what else there's. If there's anything else. Oh, um, they were using plexiglass for that little nose cone in the back. It's like one of the earlier uh, applications of that. There's like a cone on the back that's all clear. Uh, so they were using plexiglass.
0: Okay, I'd have to plexiglass look up a picture. I'm not sure what you're talking about.
1: Um, yeah, take take a look at it. The, the very tail section is just a pure glass-like cone, like a kind of squashed cone. And ultimately later when they were using it for reconnaissance, they would have... Um, the person who was in the radar, uh, oh, radar operator okay. section, yeah, uh, person who's in the radar operator section would use that to kind of uh, take pictures and things like that. So, uh, like I said, and then so then I went into uh, reconnaissance and uh, surveillance, and then after that, they used the onboard radar to help uh, NASA and other and like NOAA or the predecessor of it. Um, to then they had an operation thunderstorm and then what they would do is they would use this plane to, because radar, as we know, is used to help determine the, where the presence of water is in the atmosphere because water reflects, uh, radar waves as well. So what they would do is then they would use, they use that to actually start learning and predicting, uh, how thunderstorms and thunderheads behave and how to fly in and around them and where it's safe and where it's not. And. And that kind of stuff. Okay. So they so they used it to do a lot of research with that, and that actually helped uh, significantly. Uh, from there, um, they were also used in the uh, Pacific Theater, and they were used in. They were used. They were not able to get into the D-Day uh, invasion, but they do. They were important in the Battle of the Bulge, and then uh, the uh, the Battle for Guadalajara. Uh, was a big one in the Pacific theater. And that was another instrumental piece towards that. Um, but the, one of the things that plagued um, Northrop is that they were a small company at the time and they didn't have a lot of spare parts. So these things, when they needed spare parts, they couldn't really get a hold of them. So they were not as like, Oh, we'll just pull from the parts bin. And let's get this back up. It was like, Oh, what are we going to do with this now? Either had yeah. to invent parts or just sort of do without. Um
0: uh, yeah. That one becomes grounded and you use it for parts.
1: Exactly. And so that means that you just don't have as many up. So they ended up basically producing about 700 of these. Um, and unfortunately, basically when they got to each of those theaters, they are kind of a little bit behind the time. So they weren't maybe as effective, but they did have the last two kills in World War II. Oh, okay. Uh, they basically ran down the craft they were firing and uh, they were fighting uh, and the craft ran into the ground. <laughs> doing maneuvers, I guess, to avoid the Black Widow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't by their own guns, but I mean, it's still hey. uh, the last two kills, I guess. <laughs> Put it uh, up on the board. I know, right? Boop, we got them. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the gunner's like, but I didn't do it. Uh, anyway, so, and then I think the other notable thing that they were used for is they used, um, in the reconnaissance section, they they used it to map Korea. And we used that um, to help us with the Korean War, okay, which followed very shortly after World War II. Mm-hmm. So, well, that, so that is the Black Widow, uh, and also, oh, that was the other thing they used. Which is what I'm going to do with my model: is get a bunch of red LEDs and light the cockpits because I'm going to I'm going to put the canopies as clear canopies. I'm going to light the cockpits with little red LEDs, and that's what that's the other thing they were using: is they were using um, red lighting in the cockpits. And in inside the craft, so that way, the the pilots and the gunners wouldn't lose their night vision.
0: Which just kind of doubles up with the the gloss black that. Yeah. Black Widow, I got you.
1: Yeah, it was like, oh, (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, oh, it's so good.
0: Hey, look, Black Widows are what gave me arachnophobia in the first place. So, I got you.
1: (laughs) Nice. Well, so that's the Black Widow. That's it.
0: Well, good job. Thanks. Hoping
1: uh, my model turns out as good as I envisioned in my head.
0: Uh, I think it'll turn out as well as you want it to. Very good.
1: All right. So I guess <laughs> we get on to the next piece, right? So we are now talking about our main topic,
0: which is uh, the build season. So kind of had this uh, last year, but also like COVID happened. So. Yeah, it became an extended build season. It
1: it got weird. Let's, not, let's not talk about COVID. I'm just yeah. kidding. No, honestly, it's true. Uh, COVID happened, and we had a different kind of build season than we usually do. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still, um, you know, but it's it's upon us again. Um, we no longer see daylight uh, before and after work if you work a, a traditional eight hour day. I, and I, by traditional, I mean you know, go in at eight and come home at five kind of deal. Mm. Um, Yeah, it'll be dark the whole time. (laughs) Anytime it's free for you, uh, you'll, you'll be in the dark. So what do you do when you can't go out and fly? And you don't have a night flyer, you're not allowed to fly at night. You go build, you get ready for the next uh, fly season.
0: You go build. You do equipment maintenance. You discharge your batteries to safe levels. Oh, look at you! Look at you, winterize Winterizes your it. stuff. Yeah, that's right. Nice. I yeah. haven't done it yet, but you should. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go through and figure out which batteries are just dead.
0: See, there's a couple. Uh,
1: there's a couple that have been abused, and it they like something isn't working, and there's at least one cell discharged to zero. Oof. Yeah. They either need to be repurposed or thrown out, probably thrown out. Probably for safety.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Now's a perfect time to go through your, your battery collection and make sure that everything is uh, stored properly. If you're not going to be using it and, and discarded properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see our battery episode. I believe we talked about batteries in one of our episodes. Uh, you can go back there and we talk about how we discharge Safely, um, you can go to uh Lowe's and the batteries and bulbs and bring it there and say, Hey, I don't know what to do with these and I don't want them in my house. <laughs> and they say, Don't worry about it, we got it. Oh, okay, um, yeah. And then they then they take a nail and and ham- No, I'm just kidding, they don't bust it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, they have ways to discharge it properly and safely. Uh, and at that point, they discard it for you. So
0: that does not involve a nail gun, no, okay. it doesn't involve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, check this out. Yeah.
1: Um, if you choose to do that, it's at your own risk. I recommend you don't unless you were in a sand pit somewhere away from anything combustible, mm-hmm. <laughs> including yourself. You are combustible if it's out enough.
0: Transmitter so, upgrades, transmitter mods. Oh, uh, yeah. You can go, oh, it's all the new stuff. I want a touchscreen. <laughs> that's right. Or I, I want to get chrome. uh like Whatever, plating An- Anodized for aluminum
1: colors. I
0: want mine mm-hmm. to be orange.
1: I want orange. I want purple. It'd
0: yeah. Would be a good time to swap that momentary switch from the left to the right or. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs>
1: replace the switch that broke when you dropped it by accident. Oops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got one of those going on in my old transmitter. That would be good to have. Um, but
0: yeah. Ultimately, it's time to build. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, before you build,
1: what should you do, you think? It's what I should do for sure. Uh, I know it's a go
0: it's a, buy more phone.
1: Yeah. Get supplies. That's okay. for sure. Like if you know, you've got a bunch of planes on the list, um, order the supplies, you know, that are, I'll call them perishable. Uh, and I, by that, I mean like servos, you don't, if you're not going to recover them from old planes that you, or you're not tossing out old planes, but you're going to build new, get all your servos, get a bunch ready, you know, have them, have them at the ready. Um, clean out your shop. That's what yeah. I got to do. Get it clean enough where you can just build when it's time.
0: Um, uh, I got to get mine cleaned out. I can't park either car in the garage right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I only have enough room to park my butt in my uh, my shop. And my dining room is in sore need of getting officially cleaned out and ready for any other use but building planes. Mm-hmm. It's right now it's just plane building time. So, yeah, clear out your workshop. Um, go through the stuff that's in piles of stuff that you just said, I don't know what to do with it. Figure out a place. Figure out a home. Make a home. Um, get it where it needs to be so you, you know what you have to build with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if you have old glue, get new glue and get rid of the old stuff so that, you know, you
0: have good stuff to build with.
1: Get your plans printed out.
0: That's, yeah, that's a thing.
1: Yeah, or at least have them, you know, in a PDF or however you end up doing your plans. Uh, If you build from kits, you know, make sure you have your kits ready. Um, Order those if you haven't. Um, So that kind of brings us then to kind of like our our build lists, right? So before you get too far into the season, you got to know what you want to do. Joe, do you have any idea what you want to do?
0: Kind of, um, like, I'm hoping I'll get some. I'm hoping that I will take the time to do some building uh, mm-hmm. over the winter. Uh, largely, I just haven't done a whole lot of building this past year. Um, but I've still got those two Spitfires that you had pre-cut for me from uh-huh. Flight Fest. Nice. Which I will end up having to hit you up again on how to uh, figure out where the fifty percent are, because I think you had said you had done something to kind of denote where those were.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll show you. Yeah, I basically Um, cut, I clip the, uh, I cut into the ends of where the 50% marks are. Yeah, that way you can line them up with a ruler and then do the 50% cut.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's two Spitfires there uh, Mm -hmm. that I do want to get both of them built. Um, Just one can be the Hanger Queen or they can both be uh, Flyers, but ultimately if I do go to Flight Fest next year, I want to have combat planes.
1: Right. Uh, what do you, what, what plane do you want to have as your combat plane? You Spitfire. Think? Okay. You want to have the Spitfire. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Did, so I showed it off. Fi- uh, good enough. Huh?
0: <laughs> I just, yeah. And I always enjoyed flying it when I yeah. had one. So yeah, you know, it's, a good um, flyer. uh, I will hopefully eventually figure, finish that Depron wing. Okay. I've still kind of got it partially along, mm-hmm. um, I do want to rebuild the simple soar because I've not had success with a glider yet and I've still got the, I want you to have yeah. success with it, man. Cause it's, it's soaring.
1: I didn't think I'd like it. I really didn't. I think I'd be, I thought I would be bored and it turns out there's a lot more fun going on than I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to see if how, you know, what do you think of it? And the only way for you to see is to have one to try.
0: Yeah. Well, I have still got the simple solar wing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to have to be reglued in a couple places at this point because all the uh, all the dihedral points have like gone the other way. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So, yeah, they've let a little bit, huh? Did you mm-hmm. put tape on
1: the on the tops of those, or did you just Ooh. leave them untaped? Because that seems to I be don't. the
0: difference between if they let or if they don't. I don't recall. That's okay. I, I had th- that wings just been sitting over there untouched for a while. Okay. Um, and I guess if I can get the simple Sora built, then I may revisit my own glider. Do um,
1: it, do it, do yeah. it, do it. <laughs> and go go
0: for at least the three sheet, and maybe go crazy and go for four. Oh man, that'd be um, awesome. But I do want to try to get more of a. Um, I guess a thinner airfoil than I did last time because last time the airfoil the uh, what do you call it top to bottom of the wing yeah uh,
1: the cord thickness
0: okay mm-hmm. so that that was pretty thick which would have been fine but yeah um, also see about uh, tapering it from the from the fuselage out to the okay end points. yep maybe see about drawing it down we'll see um, yeah. and then. Um, I don't know. Uh, February comes around. I know you like to do Bilgeuary. I am not committing to anything. Oh, come on. You're going to have
1: fun. Now, look, Bilgeuary, if you haven't heard or it's been a while and you forgot about it, (laughs) I think the the name of the month February is the dumbest name I've ever heard. So I'm going to just keep with that tradition. And in February, there's exactly four weeks. So pick four planes. Build those four planes and fly them in four weeks. Good luck. Uh, the clock starts at midnight on February, you know, right after midnight on uh, the
0: 1st. Mm-hmm. You know, well, then uh, I might do the Nutball, the Delta, uh, and pick two others of similar nature. <laughs> I,
1: I would say uh, we should try. Oh man, I forgot the name of the darn thing. I'll, I'll think of it in a second but there's a plane i think it's like the the in the time, same time period the speedster not the mini speedster but the full size speedster so it's like the fogie but like midwing okay uh, i think that will be a lot of fun for both of us to build during that time
0: and then um there's one more project that might be well that's probably going to be sitting out there but it ties into something that is also with you so mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to that in a minute
1: the mystery one. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Um, so you want? Let's
1: talk about. I guess then what I'm dealing with. I'd have to say that I've got about. I've got a handful of um, I'll call them maintenance ones, maintenance builds where basically it's taking something that I thought was good or it's close to the end and just finishing them and flying them. Um, so there's a bunch of those like the Devil Dozen Bat. Um, The Bandito is almost like I just need to fly it again. You know, see if I can get it flying. Mm -hmm. Um, The Mara, it's the flying mustache. I wanted to put a motor on the front of that. I never really did that. So um, it's a really cool looking glider. I want to see if I can fly it. Um, I built a mini version of the Remington Brunelli 2, which is a a flying camper. So it's basically uh, an old bi-wing where they made a lifting body uh, center section that was the fuselage. And it looks, it seriously it looks just like one of those airdrop campers. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's really cool looking and really dorky looking. I built a, the small scale model, but it takes eight sheets of foam to build the big size because it's, again, uh, four pretty good size wings um, or two, two wings and four halves, um, each taking a sheet. So there's half of the, the stuff there. Um, anyway, I wanted to build a full size version because I I just picked up a couple of the like uh, B pack motors, so I think it'll run pretty well on those. Uh, so a sort of kind of breaks into that, right? Um, the Prandtl D arrow um, is one of those tested ideas that I wanted to try. Um, the Marabou, both the foam and the balsa, uh, which is basically it looks like a zeppelin with uh, a Prandtl D wing that was not a Prandall D or anything specifically, just the way it twists and the shape of the wing as it changes across the length. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's a Prandtl D wing. <laughs> it's just the same <laughs> principles. I want to build that. So, um, I've designed the, a foam board version and, uh, I've got the original balsa and I've got the balsa for it. So I wanted to try, try that and see, you know, you know, it's a, it's an experiment. Um, I have, uh, a pre pre-made kit, like an actual, official commercial release plane, the reptile dragon 2 I bought it when I built the foam board version. Um, and I never built it, so I should probably build that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: like the car plane, I should finish that, you know, I've got it here and I should also finish that J 1000 that I've got sitting in the background here. That's taken up mm-hmm. the entire bed. Cause it's a big one. Um, <laughs> you know, and then there's another couple like, uh, the Mr. Mulligan's DGA six, uh, by Mayan, uh, good buddy, who joined us in some of the first build nights we ever had on our channel, um, he designed this the the DJ DJ I can't even say it because I want to say DJI and it's not DJI DGA the DGA six. Um, it's basically like a a tail dragger tractor. Um, it's, it looks like it's uh, I didn't look too hard, but it looks like it's like a nine cylinder air cooled, you know. Um, plane uh high wing um, a lot of people are building it and I was asked to join the build party and it I I said okay and then Kilroy sent me the kit uh, for the p61 black widow as well as that so I'm gonna build both mm-hmm. uh, and like I said I'll finish up the black widow here pretty shortly so I'm actually really excited to get to both of those um, and I usually do uh, do that pretty quick. Um, and I think the last, there's two, two more, um, and oh, I forgot, I forgot there's something I got to go back on, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, Dick Dastardly plane. So I designed, uh, I put out a little like, Hey, wouldn't it be fun to make a bunch of like stupid, crazy looking planes that fly? Like we make them fly, but they look like they shouldn't. Right. You know? And if you look at the Dick, Dick Dastardly, Muttley, you know, chasing the pigeon thing, whatever that cartoon was. Um, those planes were like crooked fuselages, and you know this kind of messed up thing. I know somebody said that they built like the airplane two from the from the cover of the movie Airplane Two, where it looks like it's a airplane fuselage and a knot. They actually yeah. build build one that is a knot, and it flies great. So really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's actually Terry Dunn or somebody. It wasn't him. It was one of his buddies. Um, I remember them talking about it when they were. They were on the show and said, didn't somebody build the thing? Oh, yeah, uh, it's great. Um, but, yeah, so like to do that kind of thing and just see. So I've got plans drawn up. I just haven't had a chance to really kind of cut them out and and see, see if it sticks, you know. Right. Uh, and then I think the last but not least, and I'll call it last but not least, would be the, um, not the Mara. Where was it? Oh, um, the Magician. Uh, I want to rebuild that plane and see if I can't get it to actually go straight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because um, you you lost that one in the beans and it's all tore up now, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, that's so that's the big news that I forgot to mention last uh, at the very beginning of the episode is that. Uh, so, yeah, I lost in the beans and I put out a, a thing. I even flew the Hangar RC Texan uh, FPV honestly, it was like the third flight. I'm like, Oh my God, this, this fly's so good. Like let's put on FPV FBV and fly. So I flew, I still couldn't find in the beans. Well, last week when I, when I flew the Prandtl arrow, did the first test of it when I went out there, I looked around, I'm like, they're halfway through uh, cutting down the beans and harvesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they cleared out the section with the, the magicians in, maybe they found the magician, you know? So I pulled up and all of a sudden there's this g- giant pile of foam, uh and a couple <laughs> pieces kind of pushing up against the fence in the breeze and I'm like that's my plane. I'm glad I came here early. <laughs> you know, I was sitting there all weekend and I never show up. Um no, but there's a gi- so I have a giant pile of foam that's all busted up um in the back of my car. Um and it's like all sorts of sticks and uh, the carbon fiber rods that I used are, are there. So I can recover the rods. I've got all the servos back. I've got the ESC, which had some uh, some of the coating on the wires is off. And the motor, uh, there's a little bit of coating off of one of the wires on on the motor. But the motor's fine. And the, the propeller is intact. Uh, and the battery's dead. Like dead, dead. Zero voltage. Dead, dead. Yeah, dead, dead.
0: Which is dead, fine. Dead. I'm,
1: at least it's not on fire, right? Like, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I would have felt awful if, like, the whole field burnt down. Like, I would have. Yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't find the darn thing. I looked a lot. Anyway, so, um, and it looks like there's a bunch of, like, claw marks in it. <laughs> so I think the combine got into it a little while. Like, what the heck's all that oh, white okay. stuff? okay. You know, and then they stopped and went, oh, I'm to get this stuff out of here. So they kind of piled oh, man, that,
0: it man, that foamy guy.
1: Yeah, that's me. I'm the troublemaker. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they, they pulled that out, and then um, they left that. So I got, was able to pick it up, and I've got all the components back. So I think I'm going to spray each one of those with this uh, waterproofing this stuff for the automotive industry. Um, and it basically restores electrical. Anything that has rust, it'll remove the rust, and it will waterproof um, the metal. So that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. It's good for electronics. Um, where is it? I can't, I thought I had it right here. Anyway, I'll, uh, I'll highlight it. I won't highlight it. I won't highlight it today, but um, it's like, you know, a lot of people will either use conformal coat or they use this stuff. Um, and so basically, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll kind of, it should remove any rust that's been building on it. So it should help restore, um, and it's dielectric. So it's not like, uh, it'll allow anything to jump. It just basically cleans it up and gets it, you know, back to original and stops moisture from wrecking it. So, right. Yeah. Which is good. So hopefully, I mean, I'll cross my fingers. I'm not gonna, if it does, if it looks a little sketchy, I will probably put it on a plane that I don't care about, but, um, it's nice to have those back, uh, to see what condition it's in and, to kind of assess like what might have happened. The the wings were in such, I mean, it was just a complete shambles. So I have no idea actually what caused, you know, like how damaged it was when it landed. But um, yeah, but I have it back and I can build another one and put those things in it and see what happens. Um, so that's, that was a pretty exciting, that was a very happy day. <laughs> I was like, yes, I found it. Hubba hubba. So yeah, it was nice to get it back. So the magician has reappeared. Ooh, ooh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then so um, uh, with that, I also have, uh, I, I'll have the four planes that I'll build, uh, build Rory. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to do like you. I'm going to build Spitfire. Um, if I don't end up flying, I won't really care. I'll end up having the kids uh, fly it if I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Speedster, the old Speedster. Because I'll tell you what, I built the Mini. Speedster. And that's a lot of fun. I built it a bi wing and it flew slow and fun and it flew around for like eight minutes and I was doing touch and go. So that was great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to like possibly building up the big one. um You know, uh, I don't know what other planes I'll build. I'll probably do something that I have no business tackling as part of a builder. <laughs> I mean, straight out, like just no. You shouldn't do that. And I, what was it like the, um, a couple of these planes that are like, you built that? Oh, the Taylor Aerocar. car. I built that as part of that, uh, you know, from scratch, kind of look up three view, tried to figure out, but designed the plans, built the plane and made it in Builderary. Was that February? Yeah, it was. I, wow. that actually, I, cause I looked, I'm like, oh, I don't have a thread for that. Like, oh, I know why. Cause it's in the Builderary thread. So, and then we have our mystery Balsa plane. So Joe, you want to talk, do you want to talk a little bit about why we're putting on our list, a mystery Balsa plane?
0: Uh, yeah, I can talk about briefly. So, um, a, uh, a mutual, uh, buddy, uh, I guess, uh, decided that they had too many engines laying around, um, And felt that you and I both needed to experience that side of the hobby. Mm -hmm. And they've already sent you, uh, what, two? Uh, Um, Yeah, they
1: sent me a gasser, a 30cc gasser and a nitro engine, uh, which mm -hmm. is more like a Park Flyer size nitro. Um, And and I've been looking um, at that going, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that exactly, but I'm, (laughs) I'm excited to if... Uh, so I've been I feel like I've been trying to work my way through my phone projects, but every time I do I see more phone projects to do. But and yeah.
0: then, um <laughs> there's there's one more that's gonna be in the mail soon, um, probably heading my way. And so mm-hmm. we've got I see what that is when it gets here, but that's uh that's something else we gotta you know look into mm-hmm. working on over this you know build season is actually building Falsa planes because, yeah. you know, somebody's gifting us, uh, gifting uh, us the motors. We uh, need to,
1: yeah, let's, let's go take advantage of that and, and actually get a chance. Cause I mean, that's like the cheapest uh, way to experience that part of the hobby, especially something that big. I mean, if it's 30 CC, you're looking at like fifth scale or depending on the plane, like if it's a biplane, um, mm-hmm. Or even you know, a little bit smaller, maybe six scale or something, but still, that's a pretty decent sized plane. Yeah, um, and it means it's going to have a lot of a lot of fun behind it. You're going to get it up in the air, and it'll be up. You know, it's like, being a gasser. It'll probably be up there for a good twenty minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, and bigger planes fly better. So, that's, yeah, I'm really excited that we get an opportunity like this to try it.
0: So. So uh, you can be on the lookout for us to, you know, be talking a little more about that as time moves forward. Mm -hmm. Um, We got to figure out where we're going to source some balsa from. Uh, I know my hobby shop has
1: some. Uh, If, you know, if you need, uh, if you have a list, um, you could certainly yell out to me and see if I can find some at my local shop. I can certainly bring that over.
0: I've still got some, a small, a small, hand uh, size pile of uh, balsa that the fellow locally gave me way mm-hmm. back in the beginning.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm saying if you need like a certain amount of ply, like a certain... Oh, yeah. That's already be enough like for that, a plane. Just, yeah, just <laughs> let me know. You know, let me know what you need and, and I might be able to pick it up uh, before I head down your way. Um, okay. Okay. Or, or if you come up it's a weekend that we can go out there we can go down and do that but if you look if you're a listener and you have a bunch of like suggestions about what we should do balsa wise um I'm all ears I don't know about you Joe but I'm
0: you know I don't know a whole lot so uh yeah sudden the Matt, I'm pretty much going to stick to a, a tried and true trainer for <laughs> for that first build okay well, I would love to go for, like, a Spitfire, but I need something that I know I'm not going to crash well, first flight.
1: Or, yeah, I suppose. Um, see, my thought is is that it's more like the, the kit should be or, or the instructions should be good enough where it can be built by a beginner, but it doesn't mean that it's going to, like, fly terrible either. You know, the goal would be, even though it's like a Spitfire, you know that I thought Spitfire, I'll never be able to fly. That's going to be crazy. And here it is. It's like my favorite, best plane to fly. It's, you know, and it might be the same with the Balsa too. So.
0: Yeah. But I've crashed the old fogey. So. Yeah. That's because you're having fun with it. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) If you can crash an old fogey.
1: Yeah. Of course you can. Look, if you're trying to to do inverted with that thing, you're
0: going to crash it. I have not tried to do inverted. Yeah, but have you tried to do a roll? A roll? No. With, have a, I done with, a, a, with a three channel a loop? Yeah. Of course. I've done a loop. Yes. A okay. roll? No. Okay.
1: Well, you next time, don't go out on the really windy day. Okay.
0: That's generally my problem. I
1: know. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. All right. Well, I mean, that's, so I think that pretty much covers like, that's a lot of projects, right? It's certainly enough to keep us busy. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, I know part of this project is like uh, LEDs. I want to figure out LEDs, you know, I want to get yeah. them in, in one of my planes that I'm putting together here. So like I've got little projects that are kind of tucked amongst these projects, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the P61, wouldn't it be amazing to either put like a, a thin film transistor uh, LCD screen and put like a mock cockpit instrument panel that actually uses like a uh, quadcopter board to do the barometer and, and gyro and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Like, displays it. That'd be, that'd be, if I could get that, that'd be awesome. Um, or if you made like a mini radar for the P61, that would be extra crazy. I'm just saying, these are the kind of ideas that roll around my head, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have no ability on how to figure that out, but
0: boy, it would be I'm awesome. say, You've got way more hobby time than I got.
1: Well, when the kids go on their Christmas break, that gives me like three solid uninterrupted just I go build if I want.
0: So Put on that old movie Man of the House and that's have right. a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or put on Mr. Mom. I <laughs> hadn't seen that one.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, cool. So uh, with that, I guess that brings us to our workbench, right? Do we have anything else you want to add? Any ideas that came up on the way?
0: No. And my workbench is pretty much the same state as it is. I I got seven on it, and I'm going to be mm-hmm. working on finishing it up.
1: Yep. I'm going to finish up the uh, – the uh, definitely finish up the P61 because, again, like I'm, I'm pretty close, so I'm excited to do that. I'm going to maiden the Prandtl D arrow. Um, and I'm probably going to start work on the Marabou. I'm probably going to put the, uh, the plans on the, the balsa sheet and cut out the wing foils. Cause it, it mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really pretty straightforward plane in the sense that it's like a handful of, uh, airfoil sections and then just a couple sticks. Really. Okay. Um, except for the, I mean, not counting the Zeppelin pod, but. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Oh, and I wanted to maiden the Don Carnage plane cause it's ready. I'll probably be painting that up and, and doing the maiden. So that way, when you get your, um, sea duck ready, um, maybe we can have a, a, a dog fight as it were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, based on our last dog fight, it's more just us trying to find each other in the air.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's very much, we need to practice formation flying before we worry about all that. That'll be fun though. Nice. All all right, well, you. you got anything else?
1: No, I I think that that sums it up. I mean, I'd love to say that there's more, but look, I think I'm learning to be a little bit more um, reasonable or cautious with with my list now. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. <laughs> all all right. right, no, and then it, that's it. I think.
0: All right. Well, this uh, I think this one's going to end up being a bit of a shorter episode than normal, but that's all right uh as always guys thanks for tuning in and listening hopefully uh you've enjoyed listening as much as matt and i've enjoyed hanging out and chatting um and hopefully this giving you some ideas uh on things to do to get ready for the winter season go through winterize your stuff but also be considering what you want to be building uh over the winter and we'll continue to be having the build parties uh, through the winter months, uh, in preparation for getting out and flying. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us. You can email Matthew at Matthew at Aviation RC, Matthew at Aviation RC Noob dot com or me, uh, Joe at Aviation RC Noob dot com, or you can reach us both at Aviation RC Noob at gmail.com or you can of course go by avhrcnew.com and fill out the contact us form feel free to swing by our facebook page um and we've got a community tab there that uh, you guys can post in and put pictures if you want or swing by our discord Uh, we generally include a discord link in the show notes uh feel free to come out and join us and hang with us um and matt last time anything else uh, no, that's it. All I can say is just uh, get out there
1: and get your build stuff ready. I want to see what you build next time we get on that uh, the build night. All right,
0: sounds good. Well, guys, we will chat at you later. Bye. Bye.